Mark chapter 4, and really today is uh, three parables that I think, uh, man, we're going to get so blessed in learning the truths of the scriptures. You know, uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 that in the last days, perilous times would come. And so, you know, one of the things about the signs of the times and one of the things about the last days is that all the signs, they escalate in frequency and intensity. And so now we're living in what I would label the last of the last days. And we're living in, man, some very perilous times. I don't know if you guys know this, but that that Greek word perilous, it actually means dangerous. We're living in dangerous times. The Phillips translation actually translates it that way. And, you know, we see it, man. I mean, Henry mentioned the shooting that took place in Louisiana. This week, uh, we saw the the terrorist attack uh, in Nice, France, where 84 people uh, were killed as this man drove this 20-ton truck into a crowd of 30,000 people. Hundreds are injured, and it just seems like uh, it's becoming more and more intense and greater frequency. And so, you know, the Lord was just, you know, speaking to me. And there's a lot of things that we got to do. We got to get right with God. We got to pray. But I tell you what, there's a war going on. And I tell you what, in a simple, in a simplified manner, the bad guys seem to be working harder and more passionately than the good guys. You know, it seems like the church has, you know, there's just a lot of times we got to be so careful because at the end of the day, what we find is they're more zealous for their cause than I think we are. You know, especially in the Western, the Western world and the, in American society. I mean, we really have to check our hearts. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be like, you know, some guy who's, uh, you know, some type of ascetic or legalistic, but I, I have a feeling that we are so wrapped up in this world, in materialism, in the things that money can buy, in the things that would distract us, that when you make the comparison to the people of God and the the people, for example, of ISIS, it seems like they are more committed to their cause than we are because we are so wrapped up in this world. And that's the bottom line. That's the truth. And so... You know, I know there are some, man, you guys are all in. Some of you here, you're surrendered. You pray like you should and you live like you should and not that we're perfect, but you know, your heart's in the right place. But if there is anyone here who's not and willing to be honest, maybe today can be a clarion. It can be a wake-up call for us to just say, you know what, Lord, I will surrender to you whatever your will is, whatever your ways are, because I see, Lord, we are living in the last of the last days. And so today, it's kind of interesting. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And there are things I think that if we take to heart, we can actually be more effective in our cause for Christ. And so we're going to see three parables, lots of lessons. And so today, if uh, you don't like the Bible, you're probably going to be bored. Okay, I'm telling you this right now. It's going to be like a Bible study. It's not a sermonette. For a Christian net, you really have to listen today. It's like I was thinking, okay, Lord, this is real, you know, Bible study stuff. You know, not like general math or, you know, simple uh, multiplication and division. We're talking like algebra today. So what I want to do is encourage you guys right here, right now, 
Don't think about what you got to do afterwards. Try your best to focus on the Word. Because I believe that God can take this seed and really teach us what we need to know in order to be more effective in our cause for His kingdom and not ours. And so we see here in Mark 4, in verse 21, Jesus is speaking and He said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And so we'll see three parables. The first one is this bright light. You know, I think we would all agree we don't purchase a lamp to hide it under a basket or under the bed. That's not the function or purpose of a lamp, right? It's to be out in the open, exposed on a table, some type of lampstand, in order that the lamp may bring light into a room that would otherwise be dark. Because without light, we can't see. You know, and I know this is a silly illustration, but you guys see the lights that we have up here, right? Um, imagine if they were under the chairs. That would be weird, huh? We wouldn't be able to see. And so Jesus is saying something so simple. It's a biblical truth that has a variety of applications that we should know as Christians. Not complex, but you need to learn uh, is that the light, it needs to shine. The light can't be put under the bed. The light shouldn't be put under a basket. The light should be out and exposed for all to see. Let me let me give you four things about the light and then we'll kind of get into it because we should know this as Christians. Number one, the source. The source of our light is God. Okay, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so all light, the source is Jesus. It comes from Him. So it's good to know, you know. Number two, we're going to see what we'll, you know, look at the applications. Uh, number number two is service. And over in Matthew 5, we'll, we'll touch on this in just a second. Jesus said, you are the light. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that you may glorify God by the good works that you do. And so as Jesus, as his light comes now into my life, and I reflect the light kind of like the moon or maybe those lights that you have in your house, you know how it absorbs the sun all day and then at night they shine. That's kind of how it is. And so he's the source, but we serve. And as we serve, we shine as lights. The second thing or the third thing is the scriptures. What does the Bible say in Psalm 119, 105? Your word is a lamp. It's a lamp, it's a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. And so what we'll see, what the Bible teaches uh, frequently is that we get the light, we get the word, and then we get the word out. So if you're looking for application, number one, draw draw near to God because He's the source. You're not going to have any light without Him. And number two, start serving. And I tell you what, just, man, find something Somewhere where you go do something for someone that no one knows about, you do not do it for yourself. Find something. And I was thinking, maybe I can send somebody money, but you know, money sometimes is not the wisest thing to do. But somehow, some way, ask the Holy Spirit to show you a way to serve. And then, you know, you're giving out scriptures. This is how we shine as lights. 
And, and then the last thing, the fourth thing about the light is, is, is secrets. And so we're going to see, even in our text today, that, you know, one day every secret will be revealed. Every single secret will be revealed. And by the way, it's not just the bad stuff, although it is the bad stuff. It's the good stuff too. And so it's kind of cool to know that. It, it, it brings fear to my life. It brings fear to my heart to know that if I have any secret sin, and there are so many people even in the church, and they're they're looking at pornography on their phone, and they think that they can hide it from people, or they're, you know, they're drinking, they're doing drugs, or is committing adultery. I mean, you name it, and they think they, you know, they can hide it from God. You can't. So maybe that fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, knowing that the secrets will be revealed, can help us to stay pure. But not only that, it encourages us to continue to serve Him because the things that, you know, maybe they don't know about the way that you pray or the way that you give or the way that you serve or just some of the things that you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's kind of cool to know that one day those secrets will be rewarded. See, we just need to know these things and we need to learn about the light. We are to let our light shine. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Philippians 2, 14 through 15. Do all things, the Bible says, without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, we are to let our light shine and to live like Christ. We are to let our light shine and share the word. It has to do with service. It has to do with the scriptures. One guy, William McDonnelly, said this, The lamp here represents the truths which the Lord imparted to his disciples. These truths were not to be put under a basket or under a bed, but out in the open for men to see. And so it's interesting because out of all of them, and I researched a lot of different teachers and commentaries, this is the one that came the most because the context is giving the word. And we're going to see the previous parable was this dealing with the seed. The next one deals with the seed. The one after that deals with the seed. And so for us as Christians, it's important to know that as you're receiving the word, which is a light to our path, it's a light in this dark world, do your best to give the word. Don't be, you know, one of those guys that, uh, what are they, I hate to say it, but like a fat sheep. Okay, don't be like that, okay? You know, you get the word and you give the word. Even when you're doing your devotions, I encourage you guys, as the Lord speaks to you and you're like, hey, this is a really cool passage, text it to someone. Or, you know, as God, you know, lays something, you know, exciting on your heart or whatever, you even attend a Bible study on a Sunday morning. You know, um, go out and, and pass it to your children. Maybe they were in their study. And who knows? Maybe they'll start passing it to you. We have to develop a habit of letting that light shine, of not putting it under a basket, not putting it under the bed. You know, to going home and tell, you know, your unsaved loved ones who maybe don't come to church what the Bible study was about. The Lord will show you. These are things that we have to do. David Guzik said, that they are responsible to expose and publish the truth, that is, the Word of God. We must not hide this light. If you have the truth of God, you have a solemn responsibility to spread that truth in whatever way God gives you opportunity, even as someone who has the cure for a life-threatening disease has a moral responsibility to spread that cure. God didn't light your lamp so that it would remain hidden. 
you see. And so we read that Jesus says hey, the lamp is to be brought. You, you put it. You don't put it under a basket or under a bed. It is to be set on a lampstand. But then he says there in verse 22, it's interesting, for there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. You see, when we talk about the light, it's important for us to know from a biblical perspective, number one, the source. The source is God. Number two, the service. As you do good works and you serve the Lord, your light shines. Number three, the scriptures. You get them, you give them. And the light shines. But number four is the secrets. And we're talking about the fact that the Lord is the light, that He's the source of the light, and one day we're going to stand in the light. Think about that. The day will come when all will be brought into the light of the Lord, and all the secrets of men will be dealt with before God. Uh, I don't know if you guys like these uh, unsolved murder mysteries. How many of you guys like watching those shows? You would never admit to it, huh? You know, but we see them all the time, right? You know, they, they go through this whole thing, uh, and at the end, we don't know who did it. I mean, even, I mean, O.J. Simpson. You know, some of you guys here, yeah, he did it. Others say, no, glove didn't fit. You know what? God knows. Right? I mean, on one day, I don't know if it's going to be public information for us. I'm not sure how everything works. But God knows, and on that day, justice will be served. Every, every wrong that has been hidden and secret will be brought into the light. I tell you what, to me, that makes me want to make sure my heart is right. That there's no secret sins within, right? I mean, this truth, Jesus says, hey, everything's going to be brought to the light. You know, Matthew ten twenty six says, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And these are guys that did terrible works to the people of God. And the Lord says, don't worry, one day I'm going to deal with them. I will deal with every single child molester who hasn't got, given his life right, gotten his life right with the Lord. I will deal with every offense. And for us as Christians, I think it's cool to know that the light of the Lord will radiate and shine bright and every wrong will be made right. You know, a lot of people, they have secrets and they think they can take it to their graves and hide it forever, but they can't. For the Lord, the light of the world will expose all evil in eternity and all will give an account. You know, we have that passage in Hebrews 4, verse 13, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so, just for us as Christians, it's good to know these things. It is so healthy to make sure that we're not one way at church and one way at home, thinking that for whatever reason we can hide it from God, because the truth is we can. But also, like I said earlier, it's not just the bad things. It's also the good things, you guys. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, I love this passage. It says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels or motives of the heart, then each one's praise or reward will come from God. And so, you know, if you invest your life, you're like, I'm not doing it so that people can see me or acknowledge me. 
And I'll, I won't let my right hand know what my left hand's doing, but I will serve the Lord. And that's your motive. You love God. You love the people. You love your wife. You love your children. You love the people that you work with. You love your extended family. You love your neighbors. You know, but you do it for the right reason. Then what ends up happening is when you stand before God one day, the light will expose the the beauty of your heart. And the Bible says that you will be rewarded. And so he says, man, if you got ears to hear, really hear, you know, really listen uh, to the Lord. You know, in light of this truth, I, I would urge you to come to the light and then walk in the light. You know, the Bible says in John three nineteen through 20, Isaiah 60, verse 3, that as we come to the light, as we come to Christ, we get saved. And then in 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 7, it says that we then walk in the light, you guys. And so um, there's a little interlude in verse 24. Jesus said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so, like I said, three parables, Jesus is saying, you know, you really listen, man. Really listen, because it's so important, not only, you know, how you hear, but also what you hear. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 8, verse 18, we are taught the importance of how we hear. You know, and, you know, the Lord is saying, are you listening, right? Um, are you, you know, hearing the word, in order that you might live the word, right? But it's also important on what we hear, right? And that's what the Lord says right here, verse 24, take heed or beware what you hear. You know, are you exposing yourself to the lies of the enemy? Satan has many lies that are contrary to God's truth and he loves to slander and sow subtle seeds of division, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'll, I'll just use this as a simple example. You can turn on the sports news, and every once in a while, I used to I used to do that. And uh, these sportscasters, you know, you want to find out how your team did or whatever. But you know, they throw in a lot of stuff that is is completely ungodly. You know, and you might listen to that thinking, "Oh, it's not going to affect me. It doesn't really take root in my heart." But I tell you what, man, it does. It does. And then you can, you know, go to the cinema and take in the sins of the cinema. You can, I mean, there's so many things that we actually have to guard ourselves from listening or being exposed to those things. Some things we can't control. You go to work, you hear people using, you know, the, the F-bombs. I mean, hey, that's where you work and God's going to use you there to shine as a light. But to pay to go and listen to F-bombs in the movies, that, that's a different Story And Jesus is saying, take heed what you hear, not just how you hear. I mean, we're living in a world, guys, where, man, the media and the message from the world is so loud. I, I heard a story this week about second graders that now woven into the public school curriculum, second graders will be taught the LGBT lifestyle. Think about that. 
So, you know, for me as a parent, I'm thinking, man, I don't know. I got to think twice about sending my kids to listen to that. You know, the Lord here, he teaches us about life, not just, you know, how you hear, but but what you hear. And sometimes people will talk gossip and they'll sow subtle seeds of division. And, you know, just listening. You know, if anyone starts talking smack, gossip, division, you know what? Just say, hey, I don't want to hear it. Because that's not what I'm supposed to be listening to. You got a problem with whoever it is that they're talking about? They tell them, you go talk to them about it. Don't talk to me. And so, you know, we have to be so careful what we're soaking in. We even have to be careful within Christendom. You know, some people are real flippant. They're real, you know, careless on what they listen to even within Christendom. You know, you listen to Bible teachers, and but they're not really right on. You know, and you think, well, it won't affect me, but at the end, it, it does. So Jesus tells us to take care what we hear. It will infect you. It will affect you. We have to even guard what we hear. I wanted to sing a couple little songs for you guys. Maybe I'll try real quick. Um, you guys remember those children's songs? Because uh, so far we're already like hitting on some children's songs. This little lot of mine. I'm not going to sing anymore, but do you guys know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm going to let it shine. No. And then the other one is be careful, little eyes, what you see. You guys remember those songs? Okay, you can sing them for me afterwards. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart. Keep it with all diligence. Watch what goes in. For out of it springs forth the issues of life. My pastor used to always tell me, garbage in, garbage out. And garbage finds a way in its home, in your heart if you let it in. And so, you know, looking at these things, um, we need to be so careful how we hear what we hear. Verse 24, because he says it affects us. And what ends up happening is the measurements that, that it affects us, what we use, we're going to be measured by that in the Lord's kingdom. And so, you know, that has to do a lot of times with people being, you know, legalistic with others. God says, okay, then I'm going to be legalistic with you. You're gracious with others. God's probably going to be gracious with you. But it all has to do, it affects us what we listen, what we're hearing, right? And, and then when we hear, he says right here, if you, if you really listen, you know, then what ends up happening is, uh, you're going to be blessed. You know, it will be measured to you and to you who hear, he says, you're listening, you're living, more will be given to you. You're going to grow. Sometimes people wonder, why don't I grow? I don't understand why I'm getting stronger as a Christian. I've been walking with the Lord now for 13 and a half years. And God says, because you're not living what I've already told you to live. Once you do that, then we can go on to the next step. See? And so we we listen uh, to the parables. Number one is a bright light. A lot about that. Number two is a mere man. Look at verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. 
But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You know, ISIS is doing what they're doing for their cause. We need to do what what God has called us to do for his cause. And that's why we have to know about the light, the bright light, the source, the service, the scriptures, and the secrets. we got to know these things. And you might look at yourself and say, well, Manny, I can't really do a whole lot because I'm just a man. I'm a mere man. And that's where I think this parable, it helps us, you know. I've always loved this parable. This is unique to the Gospel of Mark because it's personal to me as a pastor. But it's not just for pastors and teachers. It's for moms and dads and anyone who'd be willing to sow God's word to serve the Savior in order to work for God. Remember back in chapter 4, verse 14 of Mark, Jesus identified the seed as God's word. And you can cross-reference Luke 8.11. The seed is God's word. And so here you have a man who's scattering the seed. You know, he's a farmer, a gardener. He's just scattering the seed. And for us, it's just scattering the word. I mean, you got the t-shirt, you're scattering the word. I encourage you guys get the t-shirts because God uses them or the bumper sticker or, you know, you give passages out. I mean, it's just so cool. You're doing Bible studies. It's behind a pulpit or behind the scenes. It's formal. It's informal. It doesn't matter. There is power in the seed. Not in me, but in that seed. In that word, you give out the word of God and there is power. And you're just a man, but God, he does the rest, right? And such is the life of the Christian who loves God and the people and he's constantly sharing the word. You know, it's kind of cool. I'll tell you this, um, and I try to challenge my children with this, but, um, you know, sometimes you talk to people and that's all that comes out. I mean, you just talk to them and you know, if I go hang out with this person, I already know, man, we're going to be fellowshipping. We're going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to be sharing the scriptures because that that's just overflows from their life. Other people, not to condemn anyone, but you know that if you're going to go talk to them, you're probably not going to talk about God. You're going to talk about other things. You're going to talk about the Pokemon game, you know, that came out this week, you know, and you know, it's been an hour of conversation about it. And I'm not saying you can't like mention it in passing, but hey, let's move on to bigger things, right? I mean, the bottom line is you just, there's some people, they just overflow with the message of the Almighty. And you, you talk to them and it's about the things of the Lord. Then that's who this guy is. And that's who ultimately God wants us to be. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be one of those obnoxious Christians that you can't have a conversation about anything else. You know, but eventually you want to come to that place, man, where you, you have a spiritual, you know, conversation with people. And so here's a man and he does that. There are people. It's so cool. And like I said, it, it might be behind a pulpit. I, one thing the Lord showed me, if I ever get an invitation to share God's word, I will always do that. I will, if I can, I will always say yes. Cause that's an opportunity and sometimes it's inconvenient and sometimes it's, it just crunches my schedule, but I, but I have to and I, I would encourage you guys perhaps, you know, to have the same heart. Some of the guys I'll ask them in the spur of the moment, you know, can you do a Bible study in a half an hour? Okay, why? Because this is what they're doing. They're scattering the word, right? It might be the highways, the byways, the valleys, the alleys. Take advantage 
of any and all teaching opportunities. Like I said, it might be a bumper sticker, Facebook, Twitter, text message, T-shirt, you name it. Our job is to get the word out, right? But the cool thing I love about this this parable is that after the man scatters the seed, later that evening, he falls asleep. I just love that because <laughs> I like to sleep, right? But anyways, this guy falls asleep. And, uh, you know, the following day, uh, he wakes up and, you know, I assume he falls asleep again. And day after day, he wakes up and this goes on and on until the day comes when the seed, you know, he sees the results. They begin to rise. The blade comes up and then the head shows up and then the full grain grows up. And, you know, in all reality, bottom line is the farmer does not know how it happened. And he doesn't even know, he, he doesn't have the power to make it happen. There is something God-given within that seed that is supernatural that brings it to pass, right? And then one day, what ends up happening, the harvest, that beautiful harvest is gathered in. Why? All because that man scattered seeds. You know, and for us as workers in the kingdom of God, we don't know exactly how it happens. We really don't. You know, you're scattering the seed and sometimes it falls on good ground and some people, man, they go home and they grow. You might not even know it. Others, they don't. You know, that's not your job. Our job, we can't make it happen. All we can do is scatter the seed and allow the people the freedom to do with whatever with it that they want to do. And and so this man, he just he just rests. He falls asleep. And he knows that the work is of God, not of him. You know, Paul the Apostle, he knew that, right? And so what he say over in 1 Corinthians 3, 6-7, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. And that, you know, I love it, because here's Paul, and he was such a, a right-on, you know, servant of the Lord, and you would figure if there's anyone special or righteous or had anything to contribute to it, you know, if there's anyone who was something, it would be him. But he says, I'm nothing. Apollos, the most eloquent man, nothing. I planted, he watered, but God gave the increase. And you know what that does, man? A lot of things. Number one, it, it takes away the pressure. You know, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and conceive a child of God. The Spirit of God will take the Word of God and conform us into the image of God. It's not the man of God. It's the Spirit of God who takes the Word of God to do the work of God. And so what can we do? We can rest. You know, we don't have to stress out. We just do our best to give and live the Word, and then God takes it from there. You know, I, I was reading this book um, from K.P. Yohannan a while back, and I remember... Uh, a special section in here where he talks about that, you know, um, because as a pastor and, and as a leader and, and sometimes as a Christian, you, you want to, you just want people to grow. You want people to fall in love with God. And, and sometimes when you don't see it, you can get discouraged or you can try to, you know, make it happen. And it can actually be an exhausting, toiling, you know, emotional roller coaster if you think that you're the one responsible for all this. 
But the truth is, is that, you know, even though we, we do our best, you know, we, we just do our best and then commit the rest and know that only God can do it. This man, he scattered his seed and then he went to sleep. He woke up and God did the work. See, it's not the work of man. It's the work of God. And right here at K.P. Yohannan, he has a really cool little chapter. It's called No Sweat. How many of you here smell good when you sweat? Just out of curiosity. (laughs) When our ministry to the people around us is done as a ministry unto the Lord, doing His work in His way, there will be no striving. There will be no human sweat. Why? Because sweat signifies man's effort. You know, when he goes on and he describes in Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 that part of the curse would be that they would then sweat from their toil. And so he goes on and he shares from Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 17 and 18. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. Interesting. So what, what is it? Is it because God doesn't like body odor? No, it's, it's, it's symbolic of the fact that God is saying, you do your best, but don't stress out. Don't make it be man's work because it's gotta be God, right? It says right here, this is a picture of what kind of service that honors the Lord. Work done out of man's ability, man's smartness, or man's money can be horrible sweat. But when you come to the place in your life at which you begin to live and serve in His strength, you understand what it means to bear His yoke, which is easy and light. In the same way, the assignment He gives you will never destroy you emotionally or physically. It will not tear you apart. Why? Because you are not working in the realm of human talents, resources, and strength. You are not producing it out of your own labor and sweat. There is no longer any flesh involved. It is Him, ministry unto Him, and ministry empowered by Him. Right? And that's where we have to to be, you guys. Trust God. Do what you got to do. Don't be discouraged. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Okay, so one is a bright light, two is a mere man, and then three is a small seed. Look at verse 30. Then he said, To what shall we then liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And so we learn from a bright light. We learn from a mere man and we learn from a small seed. It's a small seed. You know, Jesus now uses the mustard seed to teach an important truth about the kingdom. The mustard seed is the smallest seed among the herbs. But the fact is, even though it's so small, it grows into the largest of all the herbs with even large branches. You know, and, and when you look at the way the church started, uh, so small, so subtle, so simple, you know, if you guys remember Jesus trains the twelve, one betrays him, he's down to eleven, so he really only mentored eleven men. 
This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God on earth. Only 11 men mentored by him. And some might conclude that it was therefore an insignificant ministry. It's such a small thing. But we know that it has the power, right, to change. Because look at what happened. You know, you would figure after three and a half years, he would have mentored more men, trained up more leaders. But the 12 became 120 and they started praying like crazy. Remember that? And then what ends up happening, that day of Pentecost came, and then there were 3,000, Acts 2.41, then there were 5,000, Acts chapter 4, verse 4, and it spread beyond Jerusalem, and then beyond Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And what that is, is that, you know, for us, you know, it may seem small and insignificant, you know, and you might even die only having mentored 12. But if it was God's work done God's way according to God's will, let me tell you something, that will grow and that will, that will make such a huge dent and difference in the kingdom of God. You know, I was thinking about this, I was talking to my son and I just said, you know, it's interesting, we're talking about seeds and seeds and seeds and we're talking about the word, the word, the word. But now Jesus talks about a mustard seed and it's small and insignificant. And I was telling him, it might even be like, you know, sometimes people think, well, I'm not eloquent, you know, and I don't have all the quotations or illustrations or whatever, you know, I, my grammar's messed up, you know, and I, my delivery is marred. It's just like a mustard seed. I mean, it's seed, but it's like the most insignificant seed. But God says, that's okay. I'll take it and I'll bless it if it's done with the right motive, if it's done according to the will of God and with the right heart. So you don't have to worry about that. You let God take care of all those things. And we see the church without modern day human publicity programs or promotions, it branched out to millions and billions of people and more. Of course, we know in the last 2,000 years. You know, this mustard seed is a huge lesson for us. That's why I like mustard and not mayonnaise. How many of you here like mayonnaise? Just out of curiosity. Oh, man. I'm just joking. <laughs> I like mustard. Anyways, um, you know, for us, the lesson is that we see the church grow and we see it happen even in our own congregation and God does the work. And the Bible says in Galatians 3 verse 8 that all the nations would be blessed. In Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, we're going to see one day in heaven, you know, people from all nations and tribes and tongues standing before the throne of God. And so, one last thing though, as we're learning about the kingdom, it's interesting that he mentions there that in verse 32, when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now, I don't know if you guys ever thought this one through. You know, some look at that. They have no problem with this and they just see the birds of the air as that part of the parable which communicates the greatness of the herb uh, tree which, where the branches are now big enough and strong enough for birds to find shade and to nest for their young and that, there are some who take that position. But I think if we're trying to just squeeze everything out of this that we can with the Lord is actually trying to teach us is to warn us now 
because um, some see these birds as bad. And part of the reason is the fact that Jesus in the earlier parable, the sower, classified the birds as bad in Mark chapter 4, verse 4 and verse 15. Jesus even said the birds symbolize Satan. And so for us, just learning how to live in the church, not everyone who claims to be a Christian, not everyone here uh, is, is, is really a Christian. You know, so we just were aware of that. The church visible is not always the church invisible. There are tares among the wheat, Jesus said, and even worse than that, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. So protect your family and protect the church. Understanding, you know, these things. Cause I tell you what, the bigger the church gets, the easier it is for the birds to hide. And so we, we just, we just gotta know these things. And so in verse 33, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. And like I said before, you know, I, uh, I think that the ones that wanted to hang out with Jesus, he led them, and he was able to give them insight into the word. One day we're going to be in heaven. I, I can't wait for that day. Uh, Garden Asada reunion for one. But man, you guys, seriously, to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. And Lord, can you explain these things to me? I just can't wait for that day, even now though, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is able to teach us even the things that we went over today. And so we learn from the three parables, uh, a bright light, a mere man, a small seed, and God teaches us things. What I want to do is give you three pictures in closing, closing, three visuals, and we're going to start from the bottom up. Uh, the first picture here is how God specializes in small. Uh, and so he can use your life. You guys see that seed? Hopefully you can't. No, I'm just joking. You can barely see it, right? And you're like, man, that little mustard seed did that. And that's you. You know, you're like, that's, I'm not much, Lord. I, I, I'm all messed up. I'm not able and I'm not worthy. You're just that little mustard seed. But notice that mustard seed is in the hands of God. That's who you are, okay? May God use your life. We have a cause to fight for. Don't get caught up in this world. Okay, the second visual is a young farmer in a wheat field. And what's he doing? He's kicking back, man. (laughs) He's resting. And so God help us to have that. Lord, I'm going to scatter the seed, but I'm going to know and take the pressure off my own shoulders that you're the one who has to do the work. And there is a time to rest and relax and you go to sleep and you wake up and God does the work, not you. And then the last picture is interesting. You know, um, all the things that are going on in France. You know, I was talking to my son and he reminded me not only of the the incident we had this weekend, uh, but, but in November, you know, and some of the other events that have taken place over there, and there's a growing Muslim population, and God just seems to bring, bringing this nation to the forefront. And I, I thought about the Eiffel Tower, and you know, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but the Eiffel Tower uses 20,000 light bulbs 
to make it sparkle every night. And when it does, it's absolutely breathtaking. See? And you might be here and you're thinking, well, I'm just like this little teeny tiny light, right? I mean, you might be thinking that you can't make a difference at all. At all. And the truth is, in and of ourselves we can't. But with our Savior as the source of that light, and with our brothers and sisters joined together, shining with the light of the Lord, we can make a difference in this dark world. And when we do, then it will be beautiful, it will be wonderful, and God will do a great work. Man, I pray, you guys, that we would learn from these things. Father.